0: Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Well, amen. Well, if you're thankful for the blood this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. I enjoyed listening to you all sing at uh, the ministry we're at right now. I used to sit in the front regularly. Every now and then I find myself in the back of the auditorium. And uh, every time I am, I miss hearing the family of God sing from the front. It's wonderful to be able to sit in the front and listen to you all and uh, enjoyed that. I'm thankful to uh, be here with you all today. Thankful for the invitation. We've enjoyed our time uh, being able to spend a little time with the Austin family. We're certainly thankful for them. Uh, Tyler's probably one of the uh, more godly men that I know, and I'm thankful for uh, his friendship and thankful that uh, we are family members And grateful to have been able to spend a little time with them uh, and their lovely family here the last couple of days. And enjoy uh, and have been looking forward to uh, being with you all here today. And I pray that uh, the message that the Lord has laid on my heart this morning would be an encouragement and help to someone here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go over to Matthew chapter number 11. And as you make your way there, if you want to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read Matthew 11, beginning in verse number 1. And we'll read all the way down to verse number 11. So Matthew 11 and verse number 1. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What will ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Nowwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you uh, for your word and for the fact that your word can minister to our hearts like nothing else. We're thankful for the promise that as your word is read and taught and preached, that you've promised to bless it. And so we ask that this morning. We pray that you would accomplish your purpose and plan here uh, in these next few moments. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. The, I was praying about what the Lord would have me preach uh, a while back. Tyler and I originally talked about this, I believe it was back in the fall, August or September. We were ourselves right in the, minute, in the middle of uh, ministry transition. And so I told him it would probably be better if we waited a little bit longer. And so I've been praying the last couple of weeks, Lord, what would you have me to preach uh, I understand, I have some semblance of, of what it's like to, to go through the, the transition, the season that you all are in right now. And again, I pray uh, that the message the Lord has this morning would be a help to you. I titled it this morning, Unmet Expectations. Unmet Expectations. Before we look further into our passage here in Matthew 11, I want to remind you about another passage many of you would know in Luke chapter 24. As you recall in Luke chapter 24, Jesus Christ has just been crucified. He's been buried and in the tomb for three days. Several have already ventured to the tomb. They've, they've seen that the tomb is empty, right? And there's two men walking. There's two walking on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember the story? They're rocking on the road to Emmaus and they begin to talk. Jesus joins them, but they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And in their conversation, they're expressing their disappointment in the events that have just unfolded. You can imagine, I hope you'll take a moment and, and put yourselves in their shoes for just a little bit. As, as a Jewish individual, you have been waiting for, it's been 400 years since the last prophet spoke. You have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. And now, there's rumors, we believe this is the Messiah, He's come. And so you begin to think about all the things that are going to happen as a result of, of this Messiah coming. You begin to have all of your hopes and expectations raised, and then what happens? Jesus goes to the cross, and He dies. Many of you that know your Bible know that many of the, the Jewish people of that day believed that Jesus Christ would come as the conquering Messiah. He would rid them of the, the cruel Roman oppressors that they have lived so long underneath of. And now here they are on the road to Emmaus and they're discussing their disappointments. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 21, as they discuss this with Jesus, they say, But we trusted. That it had been He which should have redeemed or rescued Israel. We, we thought He was the one that was coming. And beside all this, to this day, it's been the third day since these things were done. And they, they, they really thought Jesus would be the conquering Messiah. He was going to rid them of their Roman oppressors. But that wasn't the case. And as they continue on their conversation, Jesus inquiring, and, and much to their shock, they, are you not from here? Do you not know what's taken place? And later on in verse number 25 and verse 27, Jesus said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory, beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I believe these two individuals on the road to Emmaus would have been most likely representative of many of the Jewish people of that day. I believe many probably would have been disappointed at the results of what happened with Jesus. As they heard about his ministry, They, they maybe many of them witnessed his miracles, thinking that this was the conquering Messiah after all. That's been the rumor for the last several months at least. But now he's dead. Now he's gone. What do we, what do, we do now? And you can begin to imagine, you can begin to appreciate the disappointment that sets in with Jesus. We thought he was one thing, but maybe he's something else. Maybe you're here today and you can relate with that disappointment. I want to be clear this morning, when we find ourselves experiencing that kind of emotion, that kind of feeling, a disappointment with Jesus, the problem is never with Jesus. The problem is always with us. And so what happens is, we, we begin to put expectations on Jesus that is not biblical. Have you ever been there? Have you ever found yourself in a position, a situation, a scenario, which you really expected, you hoped God would intervene in this particular fashion. You prayed a prayer and you thought He would answer it in this way, and He didn't. And you found yourself with some rumblings of maybe anger, maybe frustration, maybe disappointment, maybe disillusionment, but what is God doing? Maybe just confusion. Again, this happens as we have unmet expectations, but the problem is never with Jesus. It is always with us and the expectations that we put on him. I'm glad and I'm thankful this morning for our passage here in Matthew chapter 11, because we have one more individual that has experienced and gone through this same sort of thing. And this is John the Baptist. So I want us to take a few moments and examine this passage. If you're taking notes, I've got two points. Uh, I have to pay attention to the clock because we don't have one there in the back. Uh, If you're taking notes, we've got two points and we'll be finished this morning. Uh, Number one, we have John's spiritual struggle, verses one through three. Let's Read that passage again. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of the commandment, commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. John the Baptist is in prison, so he sends two of his followers to inquire of Jesus and note the question that John the Baptist has of Jesus in verse 3. And said unto them, art thou he... That should come. He's asking, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? This is John the Baptist. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Have I been, have I been misled? I, I, I thought you were the Messiah, but now you can hear, you can see in the question that John has, there's some doubts that have taken root and have sprung up in John's heart. Jesus, are you really, truly the Messiah? Are, are you the one or do we seek another? Now, Jesus, while he's teaching, he's approached by these two followers of John, and they ask this question. Now, a couple things I've learned over the years about doubt, about disappointment, it often grows in hardship, doesn't it? Have you experienced that as well? And maybe, maybe you're in the middle of a trial of a difficult season, and it seems like there's no clear end in sight, and, and doubt begins to creep in. Have you ever been there? Wondering, is, is God going to be faithful to what He said? I could go back and tell you stories in our own life, one in particular, where we, were, um, uh, we had just resigned our, our first pastorate. We were praying about where the Lord would have us go next, and, and amidst all of that, Bills are coming in left and right, and uh, we were trying to follow the Lord and honor Him with our lives and please Him. And I can recall on one particular occasion, uh, Trina, my wife, called me and she said, here's this hospital bill. We just had our first child, and boy, those bills were just rolling in. Little did I know, when you have a child, you don't get one bill from the hospital. You get one bill from the doctor and one from the anesthesiologist and one from the nursing floor and one from the, the janitorial staff and one from just about everyone that walks through the doors. But I didn't know that. So we got the first bill I paid it. Well, good. That wasn't too bad. And then the rest of the bills keep rolling in. And she called me, said, man, this, this one's a doozy. What are we going to do? And I can remember, I can take back to the roof I was on when she called me. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. And in that moment, the season of silence from the Lord, at least it seemed like, Lord, what? I, you know my heart, I'm, I'm trying to please you, but what are you... I, I don't know what you're doing here. And that, that element of doubt can begin to creep in. And let me ask you, where's John at this point? He's in prison. He's in prison. Do you, you think prison was comfortable there in John's day? I I would... I would argue that they're probably nothing like our prisons today. Not to suggest our prisons are very comfortable, but I would say they're far more comfortable than they were in John's day. So here's John. He's in prison. Lord, are you truly the Messiah? Now, Again, let's let's take a moment and consider John's life. John knew from the get-go his calling. That was never mistaken for John. What was John to do? He was was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, right? He was the one to to proclaim and to make straight the past, to to make it clear for Jesus Christ, to present the way, right? But what's he doing? He's in jail. How's John supposed to do what God called him to do? And, And the one that he thought was going to be the conquering Messiah, he's not doing what he thought a conquering Messiah would do. Instead, he's going about healing people, causing the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Wait a minute, this is not what I thought was going to happen. Are, Are you truly the Messiah? Now, was this the first time or the last time that John was ever confused? No, I don't believe that's the case. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 14 says, But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. There's periods through John the Baptist and his ministry that God called him to that he didn't quite always have a clear picture of what God wanted and what God wanted to do. And so this allowed doubt to creep in, confusion to creep in. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, later on, Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, John's followers are coming to the disciples of Jesus Christ, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, and thy disciples do not? Lord, what's going on with this? So this wasn't the first time or the last time that John the Baptist wrestled with the clarity of trying to understand, wrap his head around what God was doing and why God was doing it in that fashion. And as John comes to grips with this, there's doubt, there's confusion, and he wants clarity. Again, I, I doubt that there's probably very many in here that haven't experienced that on one level or another. And I'm thankful that we're not alone when we experience that. I'm thankful that God has allowed this to be recorded for us in scriptures. But again, let me be clear. Those problems arise when we put expectations on God that are not biblical. If, if you've been married long, you know that if you put expect, unreasonable expectations on your spouse, what are you setting yourself up for? Disappointment, right? Struggle, hardship. And it's no different with Jesus Christ. When we, when we put God in a box and say, God, I want you to answer my prayers this way, uh, it, it, it's unjust that my child would have cancer. God, surely you wouldn't allow something like this to happen. This can't be right. What are we setting ourselves up for? Disillusionment with Jesus Christ. Not because of who he is or what he's done, but because the expectations I put on him, that I put on him. Well, we have to guard our hearts. We have to be careful. Now, was John right to believe that the Messiah would be the conquering Messiah? Yes, and Jesus will come one day as the conquering Messiah, but he would first come as a suffering sacrifice, as the Scriptures also promised. So first we see John's spiritual struggle, but secondly we see Jesus' words of of assurance. Again, I'm thankful that as John wrestles with this doubt, this confusion, Jesus Christ, you, you see the tenderness of Jesus Christ as he confronts John with this. Notice with me again in verse number four. It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. Again, John, John's in prison now. He can't witness firsthand what Christ is doing. So Jesus tells his followers graciously, Go report to him back what you're witnessing. What are they witnessing? The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Again, I greatly appreciate how Jesus deals with John's doubts. He loved John and he appreciated his sincere question. The Lord doesn't rebuke him or scold him for asking this question. And if I could take a moment and offer just a little bit of a side here. Perhaps there's a lesson for us in this sense that many times our doubts, our confusion, our disappointments can be alleviated when another brother or sister in Christ comes alongside of of us and reminds us based off our experience that Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ is true to what he says he is. Maybe not to what the box that we put him in, but he is true to his word. This is what Jesus instructs John's followers to do. I'm going to remind you what I'm doing, what's taking place. You go back and you tell John to encourage him and to strengthen him. Now, as he does so, Jesus' assurance was ultimately rooted in Scripture. Notice again verse number five. He says, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. As Jesus does this, he goes on to pass on his Messianic credentials to John. Now, if, if you were a Jew that was studious of scriptures of the Old Testaments, you would have known about passages like Isaiah 29 and verse 17 and verse number 18. You would have known that ultimately what Jesus Christ is doing here is he's quoting scripture. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 17, he says this, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, He found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He's quoting from Isaiah 61. So as... as Jesus looks to encourage and to strengthen God. What does Jesus do? He points John back to the Scriptures. He points John back to what the Bible says about Jesus. John had in his own mind what God was going to do, what Jesus was going to do, what he was going to be like, and how he was going to work. And what's the solution to our unbiblical expectations that we put on Jesus? Let's go back to the Scriptures and find out what does... What does the Bible actually say that Jesus is, that Jesus will do? We we are foolish and naive to not go back to Scriptures when we find ourselves in a position like John was, where where doubt is creeping in, confusion abounds. I'm questioning, Lord, what are you doing? I can't see this. Let me go back to Scripture and be reminded of what He speaks to us about. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a psalm of Asaph. I wish we had time to go there this morning. But Asaph is, uh, he's one of the chiefs of the, the ministry of music in the tabernacle. And he's one that would go into David's court and he would encourage David when David was discouraged. And knowing his responsibilities and his task, you would think that Asaph would be one that, man, he's called to encourage the man of God. He's called to strengthen David when he's feeling down. You would think that David's probably one of these guys. He's got all of his ducks in a row, man. He's squared away. But Asaph is anything but in Psalm 73. Asaph begins to bemoan the fact that I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to honor God and it has afforded me nothing. And he begins to get his eyes off of Jesus and and onto the wicked and And he says, boy, the the wicked have everything more than the eye could behold. They've got everything they could possibly want. Their life is easy. It's just a walk in the park. And here I am trying to live right, and I get nothing. But then right in the middle of the psalm, you know what Asaph does? He goes back to the tabernacle. He goes back and he restores his relationship with God. You know what happens? Clarity comes in the picture. And then Asaph begins to recognize that, the, the box that I put God in, that I thought my life would look like this and be like this, that was foolish. Asaph says, I was like a, as a beast before thee. How incredibly foolish was I? Asaph had to go back to what, what, is, what does scripture teach? Who is God? And as he did so, the clarity came and we need to do the same. When that confusion, when that season of doubt, that may, that may be some of you here today. I don't I know Tyler, I know the Austins, but the rest of you, I, I, we were here maybe three or four years ago visiting. We came through, attended the service, and that was it. The rest of you, I, I don't know. I don't know if you just got a diagnosis on Friday you never thought you'd get. I don't know if your heart is heavy this morning because you've got a wayward child that you're praying for and God hasn't answered. I don't know if you're worried about getting laid off of work. The list could go on and on and on this morning. But when we find ourselves in this season, we need to recognize... What did Jesus do to help assure John that he, in fact, was the Messiah? He went simply back to scriptures. He's telling John, don't forget what you've already seen and heard. You know this to be true. We go on. Verse number six, And blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. The word it here is to cause to stumble. When Jesus disappoints someone's illegitimate expectations of him, it's easy for them to turn away. You ever met someone like that? Yeah, I tried the Jesus thing, and it didn't work for me. I mean, I prayed, he never answered. I, I, I asked him to do this one thing in my life, and he didn't do it, and so I, I have no use of that. Why? Because they put an illegitimate expectation on Jesus. When Jesus didn't feel that, disappointment came in. Again, boy, we have to be on guard. And here, this is the attitude that John the Baptist was being tempted with. But Jesus encourages him not to give up. Essentially, I love Christ's heart in this. Just encourage him. I know what you're going through. I know what you're experiencing, John. But hang in there. Remember the promises. Remember the prophets. Remember the scripture that you know. So Jesus' assurance to John the Baptist was rooted in scripture, but it was also filled with encouragement. Look down at verse number 7. Verse 7 says, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What will ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. So the followers are already gone. What is Jesus Christ going to do? He's going to encourage John. He's going to ultimately, he's going to speak highly of John. John was not like a reed. A reed would bend in any direction the wind would blow. This wasn't the case with John. John was a faithful man. He would not bend to the whims of society. He was the real deal. He was faithful. What about you? When you find yourself, and this is Jesus' description of John the Baptist, when you find yourself in that season of confusion, how do you respond? What do you do? Do you find yourself growing distant from God, or do you find yourself going onto your hands and knees, going into Scriptures, and resting and relying on who Jesus Christ is? There's a missionary... Not a missionary now, a man I've come to know a little bit more closely over the last several years. Some of you may know who I'm referring to, but I think it was February 20th, 10 years ago. His family was back, um, raising more support, reporting to some of their churches, and uh, he's traveling on the road, his family in the car, in the van with them. It's in the winter, they hit a patch of black ice, lose control of the vehicle. Vehicle cranes off and hits one of those interstate signs with those H-beams supporting it. Everyone in the car is severely injured. He, he gets out, begins to try to start checking on his wife. She's pinned in the vehicle, I believe. Goes to check on his daughters. One of them is severely injured. One of them is even more so. He gets her out of the vehicle... And over the next several moments, he holds her as she takes the last breath of her life. Now, those of you with children, you, you can imagine what that would be like in that moment. How would you respond to that? Well, here's a family that's trying to honor God with their lives. They're, they're doing one of the more difficult things someone can do and, and leave everything they know, all the comforts of, of being here stateside and, and go be missionaries. They're coming back, reporting to churches. And he holds his daughter as she dies in his arms. Now, what caught my attention was first just empathy for this poor family. I I, I couldn't imagine. child of my own, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. But even more so was their response the next several days and weeks and months to come. As they honored God in a miraculous way. Something that only the Spirit would have empowered them to do. When they were in a season of absolute confusion. Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing in this. How, do, how does this fit into the picture that you've called us? I don't know. But they trusted in and they relied on God and he remained faithful. That's what he calls each of us to here today. Even amidst those seasons, boy, we remained faithful. John was faithful. He goes on verse number 8, but what will you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold... They wear soft clothing or in king's houses. What was John the Baptist? He was a humble individual. He wasn't filled with pride. Boy, you think he was a wealthy celebrity? No. Again, to know your Bible, you know John the Baptist. Anything but. He didn't have fancy clothes. John the Baptist was just humbly seeking to obey God to the task that he had called him to. This is what John was known for. He was faithful. He was humble. He was also obedient. Look down at verse number nine, all the way down to verse number 11. But what were you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. This is what John did. He prepared the way for Jesus. He was obedient to what God had called him to. Maybe you're in that season today that confusion, maybe you'll be in it next week, or next month, or next year. When you find yourself in that season, again, I ask you, how will you respond? Will you be faithful? Will you be obedient? Will you be humble? Allow the Lord to teach you what He wants and desires to teach you through that process. Now, how many of you have ever been questioned your character has been called into question unduly. How do you respond? Do you appreciate that? Most of us do not. Someone accuses you of something with having no evidence of that. Do we enjoy that? No, we do not. Again, John, John the Baptist has come to Jesus going, are, are, you, are you really the Messiah? But how did Jesus respond? Well, he was so gracious and so kind And ultimately, he did what John needed. He reassured him by going back to scriptures and back to what he has already seen. We often want to scold people. We want to fire back when someone does the same to us. But this is not what Jesus says. Verse number 11, he says this, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now standing, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Of all the things that John the Baptist has accomplished, all the things that John the Baptist has done, incredible. But Jesus says the least of the kingdom of God is greater than he. How, how so? In what capacity? In the sense that you and I, we have all of Scripture recorded for us. We know the beginning and the end. John had a limited scope of understanding of what Jesus was doing and what the future held. You and I, we have far more available to you and I. We know that Jesus Christ, yes, he did die. We also know that, yes, he was buried. But we also know, as we'll celebrate here in just a couple of weeks, that he also rose again. That he, he didn't stay in the tomb. We know that. And we know that one day he is going to return. And when he does return, he will return as the conquering Messiah. You and I, we have that advantage that John did not. What an incredibly powerful picture. What, what, a, what a time in redemptive history that you and I get to play a part of. We were talking about that this week. I, you ever wonder what the world's going to be like in another five years? You ever, you, you, we look at our political system here in our country. We look at, uh, we, we look at our, our, the globe as a whole and the war and the unrest and the, the pestilence and everything that's going on. Do you ever wonder what's, what's this going to look like in another five years, another ten years? I have three young children. I often wonder that. What kind of world will they have to grow up in? I don't know. But one thing that I do know, despite the fact that I don't understand all the reasons why, God has seen fit to put me here in 2022. And He's seen, he's seen fit to allow me to raise three children in this era. He, he wants me here for a purpose. He wants you here for a purpose. He wants my children here for a purpose. And we have been given incredible privilege and knowing God's plan, and having His Word in our laps. So again, I ask the question to you this morning, what will you do with that? When you find yourself in that season of confusion, how will you respond, what will you do? Going back to that missionary, again, the response that he had over the the next several years, even the response he had 10 years later, just recently wrote about that entire experience in his life. Will we be faithful? Again, some of you might be here this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you might face tomorrow. But I can say this. I know that if you ever find yourself confused, if you ever find yourself especially disappointed with Jesus, that is because somewhere along the way, you've listened to a lie Satan and you've put an expectation of God that is unbiblical. We have put God in a box and said, this is what's right for you to do. This is how I want you to respond. This is how it should go. It's unjust for my child to die in a tragic car accident. It's unjust to lose my spouse at a young age. It's unjust to fill in the blank. As we do that, not only is that unwise, but it's setting ourselves up for a position to be disappointed with Jesus, unbiblically so. Jesus is never the source for our disappointment. It is always him. So let me ask you three questions, and we'll be finished this morning. As we examine where we're at today, can I ask you to examine your expectations of God? I know where your church is at in the sense of your discussions you're going to have a little bit later on today and and what's coming down the road for you all, decisions that we'll be making, the season that you've been in the last several months. What expectations have you put on God today leading into whatever the Lord has in store for you? from a corporate sense, but from an individual sense. What expectations have you put on God within your marriage, within your work, your career, with your children? Have you put any unbiblical expectations on God? Do you find yourself this morning filled with doubt or confusion, maybe angerness or, or anger or frustration? Examine your expectations you've put on him. And remember, disappointment never comes from him. It always comes from our unbiblical expectations. But second, I want to urge you to go back to the scriptures and get to know him better. Those of you that know him, the the more you dig into his word and the better you know him, many of you can testify to this. You will see he never disappoints. He never disappoints. He always oh, tastes and see that the Lord is good. Ephesians 3.20, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. This is the God that we serve. He always operates in the superlative. Maybe not to our fleshly expectations we've set up for God, but in the biblical sense, Well, he always operates in the superlative. So if you ever find yourself struggling with that, then go back to the Scriptures and and discover who he is, what he's promised to do, how he's promised to satisfy. Have you grown indifferent towards God? Maybe that season of frustration you've been in, do you find yourself a little cold? Right now in in our church, I'm, I'm going through the seven churches in Revelation. We haven't got to the church at Laodicea yet, but we have gone through the church at Ephesus. The church that left their first love. Are you guilty of doing that? Those of you that have been married, those unmet expectations, if, if allowed to fester, that can create division between you and your spouse. Now, have you allowed that to take place with you in your relationship with the Lord? Don't, don't just go through the motions, don't just play games. Be serious about the Lord. And as you do so, as you walk with him, I can promise you, many of you know this as well as I do, that Satan will come and he will look to find that chink in your armor and he will try to get you to a place much like John the Baptist, where the circumstances are not ideal. You're at your weakest and boy, he will do all he can to sow those seeds of doubt and confusion and disappointment. Don't give him the victory in that. Go back to the scriptures and discover who he is. Every head bowed, every eyes closed here in just a moment. I'm going to pray, and then Tyler's going to come up, and he's going to handle the rest of the invitation time. But the message this morning, obviously, is really for believers. But I acknowledge there may be someone here that, maybe this is your first time coming to this church? I don't know. Maybe you've been coming for weeks, and you talk about the, the disappointment with Jesus, and you, don't, you can't really relate with that because you've never You've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. My friend, I can tell you today can be the day that all of that changes. And that's not because you need to join a church. It's not because you need to get baptized. Uh, The way in which we join the family of God, the way in which we become one of his children, is by placing our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Again, I, I so look forward to Easter every year as we celebrate the resurrection. The truth, the reality, the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross, he died for your sins and mine. He was buried and he rose again. Thus, paying that sin debt that you and I could never pay. Every person on the sound of my voice this morning, you're a sinner. And because of that sin, we deserve to spend eternity separated from God in hell. But he's already paid that penalty for you. So if you're here today and you're not a believer, you've not been born again, then let me encourage you. Come to myself, to Tyler, one of many other people here, I'm sure, that would love to take you and show you from God's word how you can be saved. But for everyone else that's in the room this morning, those of you that are born again, I, I don't know where you're at with your relationship with the Lord. I don't know what your life looks like. Everything might be just fantastic in this moment. If that's the case, then I'll pray you're, you'll take this passage, this message, you'll tuck it away for that rainy day that will come. Because we know scripture promises that all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That day will come if it hasn't come already. And when it does, don't don't allow the seeds of doubt to take root in your heart, but instead go back to the scriptures and discover who Jesus Christ is. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word today. And I pray, Lord, that you will encourage hearts here this morning, those that are struggling with confusion or with doubt or disappointment, I pray that they would recognize who you are. They go back to the scriptures and see that you have always fulfilled your promises and you always will. And uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would work now in this time of invitation. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.